Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to Creation Innovation. Today we are talking with Adrian Kaler. He is a leadership engagement expert, senior partner in an executive coaching firm, Take New Ground. He coaches executives and entrepreneurs in the art and science of leadership for themselves, their teams and clients to create new unprecedented results and experience fulfillment in their work. Amen to that. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Yeah, so glad to be on with you, Elizabeth. Yeah, so right before we started recording, we were talking about this concept of fearlessness and tell us a little bit about how that plays into your life and your business. Well, um, the uh, the concept of fearlessness is a, is a very sexy one, um, first off, and I think it's a pipe dream. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if I didn't have any fears? Um, yeah. I think it's it's usually the kind of the the, the emotional racket um, that people we I think as humans we all run. You know, it's like if I feel X about it, then I'll go do it. And depending on where people are from or where they're coming from, I think usually some sense of certainty or some sense of peace or you know whatever usually is a kind of a green light. Um, but I don't know. I think that's usually a justification for having a, 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 oh, what would I say? Like a smaller horizon, because if I have to feel a certain way about something in order for me to go do it or feel certain, that means that I'm going to limit what's possible for myself. So, Absolutely. you know, we had, we had, you know, we talk about fear a ton and we talk about the antidote to fear, which is courage. And it's not that courage actually stops fear. It just, it puts fear in its rightful place. So if I, I mean, if I'm venturing, if I'm doing anything, I would say, if I'm doing anything worth having, I'm going to experience vulnerability. Right. You know, and I can, I can go after things that aren't worth having, meaning like, I don't know, I could decide to be a couch potato. I could decide to, you know, quit, you know, uh, take some shitty job or stay in some shitty job and, mm -hmm. and not really have a lot of short-term vulnerability. I have long-term vulnerabilities with that. But if I'm going to go after something huge, I'm going to, I'm actually signing myself up for vulnerability, i.e. fear, because fear will come with that because I might fail, might look like a fool um, to myself or to other people. Mm -hmm. I might expose what I don't know. I might need to ask for a lot more help than I'd prefer to whatever, fill in the blank about what I'm scared of. Yeah. So I say, you know, if I go after the life I want, I'm inviting fear into my life. So like having a fearless experience is, you know, you know, oil and water with usually what is meaningful. Which is, I mean, that in and of itself is so powerful, I think, because I think most people get are in that thankless job, let's say, and the fear keeps them, prevents them from going. The, the, the management of that fear or the lack of courage because they don't even know how to get there. They don't even know how to put fear in the passenger seat in order to take that first step. So if somebody is listening and they're kind of at that place where I 
pretty much hate my job. I don't know how to get out of this because, I, you know, I, I've, I'm almost more secure, right, mm -hmm. in being here sure. than I am in facing the fear to try to see what's next. Even though there's somewhere in them in this knowing of I'm not in the right place. I should be doing more with my life. I should be a leader. I should be expanding. I should be serving and supporting people on a different path. How do you like, again, manage that fear to say, we're like, we got to put you on the back seat. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And I think you kind of circled back around to it. Like fear doesn't stop me from doing anything. My relationship to fear is what stops me. And it's not like it, there's no like it, like it's stopping me. I'm stopping me and I'm letting fear be the culprit. Right. That's what I would say. Now uh -huh. I'm weird in that way that I decide to look at my life as if I'm hundred percent responsible for everything. So if, if, when I'm working with a coaching client, I invite them to take on the idea, which is a very dangerous idea that every experience they're having, they're creating, they're mm -hmm. generating. So even if I'm like, if fear stopped me, that's not even a possibility in, in that worldview that worldview. It's like I stopped and I used fear to stop. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, all that to say, I'm also a human being. We're all human beings, right? We've, 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 we live inside this spacesuit, and we've got a, a brain that has evolved to protect us. That's number one purpose of the brain is to look out for trouble and make sure you survive. Mm -hmm. Number two mandate of the, of the brain is to save energy so that I could survive later. Now, I don't get a vote on that. You don't get a vote on that. That's just gravity. That's the gravity of human being. So I'm I'm always going to, just if I wake up in the morning, I'm going to be naturally looking out for threats. And even the best possibilities look like threats initially, because mm -hmm. it's something new, something beyond, something outside the norm. So if I'm, so fear is going to pop up. And I'd be good to ask myself a lot of questions about what the fear is. That's what I do first. It's like, first off, what's going on for me? Oh, it's, I, I am feeling defensive. I'm feeling hesitant. I'm feeling, you know, uh, skeptical or whatever. Um, because you're saying fear can look like those things, right? Fear can look uh, like a lot of different things. Yes. Oh, I, I say that, uh, that yes, that fear shape shifts. Uh -huh. But, and most of those things like skepticism actually is fear. Then fear isn't like an enemy. I, like I don't, I don't relate to myself to my fear. Like fear is a feeling and it's a indicator light on the dashboard of your own car, you know? So it means something. I'm not a mechanic and I'm assuming you're not a mechanic either. You were saying you're entrepreneurial background, right? So it, I don't know what it means. I ought to investigate. I ought to lift up the hood and see what's actually there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a sign up in my office that says my feelings are not my friends. Uh, but they are indicator lights, but they do not, um, they don't, they're not a mile marker or a, a signpost. So I'm going to listen to them, but they're not, they, they, they're not indicators of where I should like, you know, lots of successful people. I shouldn't be feeling this anymore. I thought by now I wouldn't, you know, that type of thinking, but right. no human can escape a human experience. So they're not mile markers in that way. And they're not decision posts. So I wouldn't listen to my feelings and like, let them tell me what to do next. I'd actually explore them and see what's the best, most logical decision based on what I'm committed to as a person. So that's what I do. I explore my fears because they're usually telling me something like I want to squeeze it and see what concern is underneath the fear. Cause that could be where wisdom is. Does that make sense? Makes complete sense. I think my next question 
to follow that is what makes one person be able to kind of go through those feelings, go through that fear to say, this fear is my driving force to get me to where I need to be versus no, I'm good. I'll stay here in my, you know, in my whatever situation I'm in, bad relationship, bad job, whatever, because it's too much to, to go through that. Right. So how do you coach somebody to say F that, right? Like, like, let's move through it. That, that feeling that you have is just created by a thought in your brain. That's the thought is just a sentence. You can change that sense that changes that feeling really easily. It's easier for maybe you and I to, to recognize that, but for most people who haven't had that type of self-development training, let's say, I don't know what it is, but how do they start to, to get through that and move through those feelings to say, that's, that's not, that's just an indicator. Like you said, right. That's just the, the indicator on your dashboard. That's not telling you how to get there. Well, the great Dan Tacchini said a person with a vision can never be held hostage by circumstance. And most of our stories in our lives, our reasons why, our excuses, are they're just circumstances. Mm-hmm. And no big, no big deal. We've got lots of circumstances to overcome. But when we start to put the power in our lives and our circumstances, we've already started dying. So what's the antidote to that is a person with a vision. So if, I, if I'm in a job that I hate, but it's like a comfortable hate, right? It's like yeah. kind of like a barbed wire blanket, like a, you know. It warms you, it warms you, but you better not move. Right. Um, You just get clear on, hold on, if I stay here and do nothing new, let me entertain the future that I know is coming my way based on the past, based on what I've experienced thus far, based on if it's a job that I hate, based on the the salary cap and the job or the team that's here and, or the market or the whatever, like get real. Like if this, mm-hmm. if I keep playing this out over the next five years, what's it, what's my life going to be like in five years and just settle into the horror of that. <laughs> and then, you know, and do I want that? Well, no, I don't. Okay, good. Is there, what do I want? And I, it's going to take courage to, to leave the known. And that's what that takes, right? Cause you are stepping into the unknown, even to even think about it takes courage because it's, you've probably, if you've been tolerating something that you that you don't like, um, you've already worked really hard to convince yourself and probably a lot of people in your life about why it's worth it to settle. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have to look like a fool to yourself and then look like a fool to other people because you're changing your mind. Yeah, I um, feel like we and, become masters at justifying our situations, you know. Indeed we do. Indeed we do. And we're really inauthentic. And, right. and that's just going to happen. Like that, just because you're a human being, you're going to naturally be inauthentic, like on a daily basis. You're not going to be that real with yourself. Right. So if you can hug that cactus, we call it like, because that's not fun to think about, but you better put your arms around it. Like, how am I being inauthentic? And, and, you know, confess that at least to yourself, like what's real for me? Like, what do I really want? Um, And if you're able and willing to at least get clear that first, you've probably got dozens of people in your life that would are dying to stand for you to make something that's worth having. And they're just waiting for you to have the courage to say it, to talk about it. Um, so otherwise we're just left with survival, which is what most people are willing to do. Like in survival, we talk about is looking good, feeling good, being right, or being in control, which are like the four survival needs. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you know, that's not, I, and we've all done that. I've done that before. I've tolerated a bunch of shit in my life just because I'd rather look good to my own eyes or feel comfortable, or at least the type of comfortable that I'm familiar with or be right um, or be in control. And, you know, we can't escape those notions, but the only way to walk past them or walk through them or carry them with you really, because those aren't going to go away. Those, those motivating factors is to have something, a future that's worth having, which is vision. So you're saying keep finding your vision, whether you're, whether you get to your vision through the pain, right? Sometimes what we don't want gets us to what we want, but holding right. onto that vision to keep us, I guess, accountable in some sense and motivated to continue to have that courage. Am right I understanding on. that right? Yeah. I mean, most people don't get explicit about their vision either. It's so generalized. It's, right. it's, it's, it's just another way to hide. Like, oh, I want to be, I want to have a better relate. I got a crappy marriage now. I want to have a better one. Well, what the hell does that mean? You know, let's get real about what's, what heaven would look like for your relationship. There's usually pain, there's usually pain baked in that conversation because if you're honest, there's a big gap between what you've got now and what you wished was possible. And maybe you're so tied up now that you don't even let yourself dream about what's possible. Maybe based on your own resentments, maybe based on your own, you know, shame conversation or whatever's there, but let yourself get real about like, what do I really want here? Let alone if the other person's going to shift, if we use the relationship thing, let alone if the other person's going to shift, but what do you really want? And what are you committed to? And what are you willing to stand for? Like, what are you willing to die for? Figuratively speaking, like, what am I willing to really get over, get through, own 100%, leave behind in order to have something new? And that takes guts to have that type of conversation. That's a scary conversation. It and, is frightening. And, in so many ways. And I think that's yeah. that, again, scary or fear is what then people are like, oh, forget it. It's easier just right. to stay here because that doesn't seem attainable, right? To get through all those things and hurting those people or, you know, shedding what I, people expect of me to then become this new version of me. It's just too hard, you know? Yes. So how do you yeah. get past that to say, no, it's not too hard. It is attainable. Is, do we circle back to that vision again of, of the details and the, the specifics of, of that, of what we want that to look and feel and taste like, and that vision keeps you going or, well, yeah. yeah, it is too hard and it's probably twice as hard as you're entertaining. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, when you're thinking about it, you're probably not even real about how hard it's going to be. Um, and I so, love anyway, that. I'm going to stop you there because I feel like we overcomplicate everything in our lives, right? Yeah. And we make it yeah. harder yeah. than it is. It's like, but does yeah. it really have to be that hard? Yeah. I mean, there's a difference. I was just talking to my wife about this on a walk yesterday about the difference between a challenge and a struggle. Now we are a struggling species, you know, this modern human beings in 2023, we love to struggle. We yeah. love you. People, people say it all the time. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling to this. I'm struggling to this, which is a purely a relational comment, meaning my relationship to the thing is struggle like it is hard and hard is always a subjective term it's my relationship to something it's hard who decided it's hard oh i am deciding it's hard mm -hmm. now there's a lot of hard things that it's of course it's a challenge like 
parenting, for example, we've got four kids under our roof. That's a challenge. Now, is it a struggle? Well, that's up to me. Now, I'm not saying that having a kids is not a, is not a quote unquote struggle. Of course it is, but I don't, I don't want to relate to it like a struggle. I want to relate to it like a challenge. Right. Like, and is that, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like people love to struggle so they can be justified with, with inaction and with no new results. And I feel like they identify with that. It becomes their identity, oh, you know? Yes. So then we can oh, be in this yes. little club of like commiserating of how hard everything is. And it's such a struggle as opposed to like, yeah, I'm up for the challenge. Bring it. Yes. Right. Oh yeah. Nobody Misery ever says like, oh, I'm up for a struggle. No, that doesn't, <laughs> not the same, you know? No, we're always recruiting people to our bullshit stories, right? So the, the struggle is a story and it's, it's usually uh, inauthentic, right? So um, and we want to recruit people to it, like self-pity and shame and all that. Shame isn't a feeling. It is a strategy. Same like self-pity. It's not a feeling. It's a strategy. If I'm feeling sorry for myself and I tell you how hard my life is, Elizabeth, you can't understand what it's like to have four kids around here, you know, and blah, blah, blah. You buy right into, I mean, people, I'm not saying you, but you'd buy right into how complicated my life must be. Now, same scenario, same four kids, or I could say having four kids is the most amazing thing. You know, Ali and I were married before, had two sets of kids. Now we're four. There's teenagers and little ones. And wow, it is full of wonder. It is full of connection. At times we're not so, but it's always worth it. I can't tell you how great this thing is. Now, both are real. Yeah. And I get to live in whatever I declare. And most people will just pick the worst case scenario to lower expectations of themselves and invite other people to feel sorry for them. And I'm saying, go for it. I mean, Kierkegaard said, people find a level of despair that's tolerable and they call that happiness. And that's, it's up for grabs, but your perspective yeah. is all you got. Absolutely. And even hearing you say that, I get like a visceral reaction when people around me are using you know, unconscious language or something like that, where I'm like, Oh, yeah. like that doesn't, I don't even really want to talk to you when you're, t when you're right. like that, because it brings me down. Exactly. Your second point. I'm like, I am there too. I got 303 and it's crazy and it's awesome and whatever. Right. Like you, you start to gain that momentum with the others around you, depending on how much you practice that. I think you either are in the practice of going one direction or you're in the practice of the other. And when you right. get on the train of being on the positive side of recognizing, yeah, it could be challenging, but like I'm up for it and it's fun and whatever. It's worth it. it. It's worth it. And everything else falls in line, work, relationship, kids, whatever, right? Like oh, we're talking about us trying to move. Like it's challenging, but it's also kind of cool. We've seen places we wouldn't have seen before. We've, we're experiencing different aspects that I, you know, born and bred in California, wouldn't have ever known. I talk to other people and they're like, oh, you know, it's like miserable. Mm -hmm. So I, I think being aware and conscious of how you show up in just that, that great example of the struggle versus a challenge. I love that so much is really important to point out. Like what, what train are you on? Are you on the struggle bus or are you like, let's bring, let's like get up for a challenge today. Yeah. I'd say just, you know, get connected to, I mean, all of our language is strategic. Mm -hmm. That's what I say. It's not none, none of it's an accident. I mean, we might not be conscious of it, but I don't. I mean, anything we're anything we're saying has got purpose to it. As mammals, we can't avoid our intention. We're always have intentions. Every mammal has an intention. For sure. So, you know, 
we, we talk about this three kind of pillars of our work. First is that people react to the world according to the way the world occurs to them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever is in my occurrence, i.e. my perception, I'm going to react to the world based on my perception. Like we're on a podcast right now. And it seems like we're on the same podcast, but we're not. You're on your version in your brain. I'm on my version in my brain. Right. Right. So that's the first thing. Second thing is the world occurs for us. Perception happens in language. So if I want to know what's really what I'm basing my whole world on, just listen, because I'm going to tell you. And, and language either reveals or it conceals. So what I'm omitting might be twice as loud as what I'm saying. Right. And the third point connects to this, which is future-based language creates present state. Future-based language creates present state. So to your point about three into three and moving and all the possibilities that are moving for you, whatever you think about that, like whatever you're forecasting, which is always a fantasy, you know, but whatever you're forecasting will generate who and how you are right now. Mm-hmm. So be, pay, pay attention to what you are making up about tomorrow, because that's going to generate what happens today. Absolutely. And circling back to that person who's in the job or the relationship that they are not super excited about, how does yeah. that play out in this example that we're talking about right now? Like, where, where are you living your day to day? What what words are you talking about to yourself in your head and out into the world? I think that most people are not even aware of how ugly their words are, right? And how mm-hmm. like they strike other people who are aware of those things and it's maybe you can recognize people don't want to be around you if you're talking about like that all the time or you don't want to be yeah. around yourself sometimes if you start to recognize like oh gosh you know that that can shift right on i mean I, a lot of times i'll ask people like what's what is the, your most common complaint hmm. because whatever their most common complaint is is usually where the biggest game is being played and we use the word racket like it's a front. So my complaint is a front where, where I'm not taking responsibility for something. So listen to if you're if you're one of those folks that right now are struggling with being in something that you that you would tell me or tell Elizabeth that you don't want to be in. First off, I'd ask you, what do you spend your time complaining about? Not like bad, not wrong, not broken about it. Like, what do you really what kind of complaint are you in? Because right there is probably where you're busy being right instead of being engaged. Yeah. And none of us like to admit that, right? You know, about, well, yeah, it's hard to look at those things of yourself. I suppose. I mean, it is, it is hard if you're really committed to having this glorious view of yourself. Yeah, that's true. And and we're all ego-based people, blah, blah, blah. So of course that's true. Whatever. My tendency is to think well of myself. Like Xander says, our, the view of ourselves fluctuates between flattery and pure fantasy. So of course we want to look good or about ourselves. So we don't want to look in the mirror, but I don't know what kind of life does that generate? I've seen it and you've probably, I mean, I've lived it too and you see it all the time. So yeah, it's hard to admit those things, but it's harder to have the inheritance that those things permits. Like we inherit our mindset, right? We inherit the future that's baked in our bullshit. Mm-hmm. So that's harder quote unquote than this. Than like looking in the mirror and saying, hold on, how am I full of shit? Like, what am I telling myself that actually isn't so? It's just the reality instead of the truth. The truth is, I, why do I stay at this job? That's what the second question I ask myself is, why do I like what I say I don't want? Like, I'm here doing this thing and it's a crappy job. Cool. And it's crappy. Okay, good. Why do I like it? What does it give me? What are the secret? I mean, 
there's they're probably on the surface payoffs. What are the secret payoffs? Like if I'm around incompetent people, quote unquote, if that's my view, why do I like being around incompetent people? Does it like help me be self-righteous? Does it help me avoid responsibility? Would I be intimidated if I was around really brilliant people? Mm. You know, do I get to like just check in and check out? Do I get to, you know, there's lots of potential. I could go make a much longer list. But there are always reasons why you like what you say you don't want. Otherwise, you do something else, right? Everybody that's listening to this, smart, capable, ambitious, whatever. If you don't want something in your life, you get rid of it, period. And you can almost do, almost take that to the bank 100%. I mean, whatever, maybe taxes, but you can move to whatever. You can move to, I don't know, somewhere else yeah. and not pay taxes. But, you know, everybody gets rid of the things they really don't want. So if I have something around that I'm complaining about, there must be a hidden agenda inside myself. A hundred percent. And I think sometimes we need other people on the outside to help us recognize that. What is that secondary gain we're getting from it? Oh yeah, I actually, it, I do feel smarter when I'm around other people who are not as competent or whatever it may be, right? Right uh, yeah, but some I think recognizing those things helps us to grow and then helps us to recognize where do I really want to be? Wow, how much could I learn from being in a room with people who were smarter than me? Right on. My life could explode, right? If I could just be learning and downloading from all these people who are brilliant around me all the time instead of feeling like I, I need to be the most important, smartest person in the room. It changes right the dynamic completely. But then, but then I'd have to relate to fear in a new way. You know, then I have to, cause that's, you're going to feel vulnerable, right? If you're around people yeah. and this is, by the way, this is what I do every freaking day is talk to people that are twice as smart as I am. Yeah. All my clients, they're off the charts, brilliant, off the charts, ambitious, off the charts, successful. And here's me and all my stories about myself. Right. And uh, you know, so I'm faking it in my own mind now, not that I am, but that that's the insecurity in me all the time. Sure. Right. Yeah. Like, how do I stay relevant to this guy? That's like off the charts, like IQ. How do I stay relevant to him? Well, I better start listening instead of just talking to myself. I right. better be connected and be willing to look like a fool and be willing to do what I can do that he can't do. So, I mean, yeah, it's uh, if, if you, but if you're going to venture like that, um, you got to be willing to go back to the beginning of our conversation, which is to embrace fear as opportunity. Like whatever I'm scared of is a possibility, not a threat. And I think that, if anything, the takeaway from this is looking at that. Can you look at fear as an opportunity from now on? Can you see yeah. any that inkling of feeling of anxiety or how our fear shows up for you in all the different ways? Can you say, okay, this is an opportunity of growth for me. What can I, how can I take this and go forward with it? Right. As opposed yeah. to, I'm going to stay small. I'm going to be where I'm at. I'm going to, whatever it is we're telling ourselves. Uh, to to do that. So yeah. thank you for that. Oh, Question. you're welcome. And, well, and to your point, to your point is um, as well, which I just want to double click on. Yeah, it's yeah. It, the 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 type of self inquiry that I'm talking about and we're talking about here is a practice, right? So it's it's I think I mean I coach people for a living, 
So I believe in it, obviously, mm -hmm. but it's hard to, it's hard to do this type of surgery on yourself just because I'm so, I'm like the fish in the water, that metaphor, right? It's, I am, I am, the, I am the context that I'm in, right? So it's great to have somebody outside the context that cares enough about you to tell you the truth. Most people don't pursue that type of dynamic. Like we call ourselves fierce advocates for our clients, right? So we love them. We want them to get exactly what they want. I warn all my clients, I believe in you so much. I must not believe you. <laughs> right. I, I'm here to help you find your own bullshit. Yes. And, and, you know, so it's good to get somebody in your life. That's like, that cares enough about you to tell you the truth. I think that's a good point. I just wanted to double click on that. And I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I feel like we all need, we all need a coach, right? No matter who you are, what you're doing, what aspect you are in your life, whether that's, you know, your partner that's playing that role to coach you through things, or you actually hire a coach to keep you accountable, to help you look at those things. I think it's all part of that personal growth and figuring out what it is for you each day that's going to move you forward and lean into that fear in order for you to go where you are meant to be. Because mm -hmm. I can probably bounce... I don't know. I wouldn't want to put a number on it, but most people are not living up to their potential I th that I know. And there's so much more there. And I think it's that fear and the, the, the lack of being able to tap into that courage that keeps them where they are. And that's really sad. So I know for our little generation that we're trying to grow now in our roof of three is completely different. I mean, Literally, I use those words every day with them of you are a leader, you are capable, you are loved, you are wanted, you are, you know, all those things that mm -hmm. seem so insignificant. But when you're hearing them and you really believe that and you can go through the fear and when some when they are now at an age where they're talking about I'm scared of this or I'm afraid of this, what does that look like? And that doesn't need to stop you. It's okay to acknowledge that, but also let's keep going, right? Yeah. I just, I just put my kids in our new cold plunge, you know, so we joined the, uh, we joined the craze and got a cold yeah. plunge in the basement and blah, blah, blah. Nice. And, um, we just got it this week and my, my little ones, uh, just got in last night and, you know, so we're setting, we're doing our breathing exercises and then we're just talking, what's your goal? Like, how long do you want to stay in good? Yeah. What song do you want to put on? And, and, um, you know, as they got in, they froze themselves and this is, this is a nine-year-old and a six-year-old, um, they were locked in like we're locked eyes, you know, and they both, they both blew their goals out of the water. So awesome. And um, then how like this, I can imagine seeing their faces just like so proud of themselves, right? Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I think that's the, the opportunity in parenting, which is to, you know, challenge your kids to discover who they are, you know, so, and, and I mean, you said it earlier around the, yeah, the, that that x amount of people aren't pursuing their potential and i think that's great news and i think even the folks that i get to coach they're all you know off the charts impactful and but my first conversation with them is around their definitions of what they're capable of mm. you know and they're everybody that i work with their their six out of ten performance looks like the rest of the world's ten out of ten right they know that they know that they don't mm -hmm. talk about that, but they know that they they're they're haunted by that kind of hidden potential. And then I I say, hey, I get them to you know I always ask them like, where do you put yourself on the scale? Zero out of ten. Like ten is full on. You're 100 percent engaged. You're taking care of business on a regular basis. 
Um, you're moving forward with courage, blah, blah, blah. Where are you at? That's 10. Zero is, you know, I'm going to die tomorrow. Where are you at? And they all say seven. And I say, well, what if your seven is actually a four? Hmm. How do you feel about that? And they feel all guilty or weird about it. Like, no, this is, this is the great game to play. What if my definition of what's possible for me is my way to justify my own version of mediocrity to myself? Like my own integrous conversation is like, hold on, I've, I've been justifying it. And what if I moved it down and created more space for what's possible for me? And would I be up for living as if that's true without feeling bad about yourself or feeling ashamed or whatever, like most people do to hide? What if that's possibility? Would I want that? And I want that on a daily basis. Like what's possible for me? And what's possible for the people around me if I show up that way? Right. So anyway, I just want, I want to put virtue on the fact that you've not found your potential. Now, if you're pursuing your potential, that's really the only question that matters. Right. And thank you for pointing that out because it's, I think, a really important takeaway as well because most people need to take that mirror to themselves and, and ask yeah. them that question because life goes too fast. And if you're, you don't want to leave it with those regrets. Right on. Right yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. How Choose. can people find you, Adrian? Um, how can they find me? Uh, social media is an easy way to find me, adrian.k on Instagram. We've got a YouTube channel if you want to hear more. It's the, awesome. the Naked Leadership channel, or we have a podcast ourselves, the Naked Leadership Podcast, Naked, because if you're doing it well, you're going to feel really vulnerable. And uh, great leaders are naked. That's like the ball game, especially yeah. in the future. You know, so... Yeah. Um, find us, subscribe, listen, all that. We, we cover a slew of the process of leading really well um, on the podcast and the YouTube channel. And we just dropped some new stuff today. Or you can hit me up on Instagram at Adrian, A-D-R-I-A-N dot K. Thanks for sharing that. Speaking of leading, I feel it. Is there any aspect of leading because that is devoid from what you talk about? Because we lead in our households, we lead in our community, we lead in our jobs, et cetera. Are those same tools, I guess, that you coach on, do they roll over to all those other aspects as well? Or is it primarily, we're talking about a business perspective, period, end of story? Um, great question. I, we talk about leadership as a phenomenon, like it's something that's happening. Um, and it's either happening or not happening, first off. Um, and we don't get, I don't, I say we don't get to avoid that. Like I, if I'm the leader, quote unquote, the leader of my organization, some days I'm not the leader of my organization based on my behavior. So that's the first thing is that the leadership is something that's happening. It's not a role or a person. Um, but I think to your real question is, is, do we talk about leadership in the business context only, or do I also cover the quote unquote personal things? We are, um, what's the word bullish? We're bullish around the idea that um, work-life integration is the only way to have anything worth having. So people have been forever, I don't know, maybe the last 20 years, been talking about work-life balance. Well, that's a stupid game Yeah. Um, because it's not possible. And if it were possible, first off, it's, it's not even desirable because it's a zero-sum game. Like if my work is winning, then my family's losing. If my family's winning, then my work is losing. Do you really want that? That's like what the math of balance is, right? There's an yeah. equal equation and there's a certain fixed pie. So you don't even want that, let alone if you got it, then it's like you get to this level of perfection. And then the only next thing to do is to tell everybody don't move. 
no more problems at work, no problems at home, because I have balance, damn it. And this is what I'm going after. So be mannequins in my life. So you don't want that either. So integration is um, having a real conversation about my priorities and my commitments to home or community or faith community or whatever the thing, what are, what am I really committed to there? And what am I really committed to at work? And how can this be the same everywhere? Like where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do that, well, you live in much less apology. Most people write checks. They're not willing to cash and they just say it because it looks good instead of being real with their spouse or partner about mm-hmm. their commitments at work during this certain season. You know, it's not like you need to say, Hey, forever, I'm going to be a workaholic. But during, during the certain season of like a launching something or starting a company, you better get real about, Hey, I'm going to be spending 10 hours a day on this thing. I must. And here's why. Right. And I need your, I need your help. Or right. are, are you not up for that? Right. You know, you know, and that type of support. And we don't make those requests because it's vulnerable and we just do what we want. A lot of people will just do what they want and then just hope that the other person doesn't notice or just keeps their resentments to themselves. And that's got its own future to it. Yeah. So integrate the lives. All of our work with business leaders is very personal, much more personal than they prefer. Um, But we're always talking about the, really the essence of our work comes from the philosophy of what they call phenomenology, like the study of becoming. Carl Jung was huge into this and Adler was huge into this. Freud, not so much. Freud says we are our history. I don't care about my history. I care about my purpose and my future. That's what Adler said. And um, our work is around the study of becoming. So who am I? Like, how am I showing up in any of these arenas is a representation of what I'm committed to. And I can change that on a dime. So if it's not working, no problem. My commitments were off. Let me get real, make a shift and try something new. And so every moment is new if you live that way. Right. Well, I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for coaching and leading great leaders to be more courageous and and just the great little nuggets that we got from this conversation and your nine and six-year-old that are now cold pledging and being so proud of themselves. I think it's just awesome. I love that so much. Yeah. My my nine-year-old boy is named Scout. He, we went, we went in last night. And then this morning when I got back from the gym, I was going back in and he got undressed. He was up. He's the type that gets up early to work on his Legos and do his homework, you know, great kid in that way. But, you know, I'm in the walk in the kitchen. He's, and I'm telling him, I'm going to do the cold plunge. He looks at me, he's fully dressed for school. And he says, can I go too? Like, sure. Come on down. So we, you know, he's done it twice in the last, you know, 12 hours. So he's my little, uh, they're both warriors in other way, in both, in different ways. Um, But uh, it's great. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. Have a good rest of your week. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Creation Innovation Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the Creation Innovation Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation innovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.